Dear Chris, I just wanted to drop you a line and say hello. Your poetry received some great feedback in the latest edition of Captured Words, Free Thoughts. I included a paper copy of the magazine with this letter. Your friends on the outside can access it online with a Google search. Captured Words, Free Thoughts. Keep up the great work, man. And if you have anything else you want to share, send it my way. I can't wait to read whatever you write next. Talk to you soon, Ben. My America by Chris Trigg I grew up under the windswept palms of Southern California, east of Los Angeles, in the area which would later come to be known as the Inland Empire, the cradle of the meth industry, the wholly, uniquely American meth industry. I was born of the counterculture. Growing up in the 1970s in the apartment complexes of the young and the poor, I knew playgrounds perfumed with the scent of marijuana smoke, the din of late-night parties spilling out of neighboring doors, the roar of Harleys and the glass-packed rumble of lowriders and muscle cars. Tribes of long-haired teens and flared jeans chased midnight madness outside my bedroom window. I felt little hostility in my universe. It was the familiar. It was home. My America. If there was struggle in it, it was the struggle of people trying to make it. The struggle of a single mother stretching a paycheck to make ends meet. We kids held our poverty in common, but we were mostly oblivious to it. The other half lived too far away to diminish our zeal for fun with the reality of our want. We played. We filled our local school and began our classes with one nation indivisible and justice for all. Do we make our America, or does it make us? I pedaled my BMX bike into my teens as the late 70s gave way to the 80s. I was 13 years old when old man Reagan announced the war on drugs from the distant rooms of the White House. I'd been raised on Cold War rhetoric and educated on ideals of freedom. Perhaps it was a 13-year-old's naivety to confuse freedom with free will. But then, who, at 13, was paying any attention to the political fear-mongering on the 5 o'clock news? Much of my America was indulging in what felt like free will to alter their reality or to cope. They were getting high on one substance or another. My own mother was no exception. Tequila sunrise parties and the occasional joint didn't hinder her from toiling at a low-paying job because it was the opportunity our geography and our America provided. She and others of kindred circumstances didn't seem the enemies of America that the new war on drugs claimed them to be, certainly not while surrendering a chunk of her meager check in taxes. Yet I can recall the D.A.R.E. officers coming to our schools, encouraging us to turn our own parents in if we knew they had drugs. The war on drugs is now, and always has been, a war on people, and everyday people all over America have become casualties of it. My mom paid into a system all of her life, a system that would one day lock her only child in a supermax prison for nearly 30 years, 20 of those years in solitary confinement, all for a non-violent drug crime one in which no drugs were ever found. In the 1980s and even earlier, drugs were a facet of pop culture. Gen Xers, my generation, didn't invent this phenomena. We inherited it. America was and continues to be the world's biggest consumer of drugs. Where I'm from in the 70s and 80s, the industries that drove the local economy began their decline, like industries throughout much of America. 
These declines had nothing to do with drug use, abuse, or trafficking. No governmental entity rushed in to throw us a life raft. Drugs became a psychological and economic coping mechanism, a black market existence. Meth, the local product, became increasingly abundant. This was in the 1980s, long before it entered the national lexicon. But by 1990, it was the mover of the local economy. Though no government element threw money into an economic recovery initiative, they threw money at the police. They added oppression to our poverty. I was forced into this cauldron as a youth. It was a sort of rite of passage to experiment with drugs, to drink, to party. Turn on a reality TV show today, it hasn't changed. It's America, like it or not. I knew drug dealers as neighborhood friends, familiar faces struggling to stay afloat in the financial quicksand of the decline. They were neither rich nor dangerous. Quite a few I've known were single mothers, everyday people adapting to the circumstances of their times. I've never met one that grew up wanting to be a drug dealer. We adapt to the environments and circumstances we find ourselves in. Often, the element of our existence is inherited. I, for example, did not invent methamphetamine, nor did I conjure up the American drug culture. Those empowered to make the types of decisions that could bring meaningful change to neglected communities instead push agendas that make it even more difficult to live there. It's said that drugs destroy communities, but drugs of every kind are in all communities, poor, wealthy, urban, and rural. Drug-ravaged communities were ravaged by poverty and hopelessness long before the dope snuck in there. Politicians blame the drugs and the drug dealers because it's easier to do so than to confront their own ineptitude or apathy when it comes to tackling the issues that drive the economic and moral floundering in these areas. The dealers are mostly of the community, born and raised in these cauldrons of blight and need. They are, in their own way, also victims of the political ineptitude or apathy, or even all-out bad will that created and propagates the acreage of their existence. Those who tend to not be of the community are the politicians and agents of the drug war, who only compound the very issues that wrought the hopelessness and need that afflicted the community to begin with. Be reminded, as it is often an overlooked fact, that drug crimes are crimes of consent. No one ever forced me to use drugs, and I never forced anyone else to use or to buy drugs. If anything, most people who use drugs, those who, again, drive the largest underground drug market on earth, are influenced by the American culture that glamorizes and has glamorized drugs since before I was born. The war on drugs has been consuming souls for half a century, yet today there are more drugs and more kinds of drugs than ever before. We have high-rise kingpins that produce cheap opiates while making life-saving medications unaffordable. They have one of the biggest lobbies in D.C. and the Senate on speed dial. We've had several presidents that have expressed some level of candor about their own prior drug use, yet they've overseen the mass incarceration of millions of citizens. They were able to become different men, but unfortunately for the millions of drug war casualties, we weren't granted that opportunity or privilege. We have the endless parade of famous or elite people whose drug use and lifestyle is glamorized in the media. No one wants to ruin them or put them in a cell or seize all their assets. The poor go to jail, the rich go to the Betty Ford Clinic. Drugs are bad in the way myriad other things are bad in a free society. Alcohol, firearms, fast cars, fast food, and all sorts of other things can carry personal and societal consequences 
Yet you can make your own choices about whether or not to use these things. I have yet to encounter Ronald McDonald or Jim Beam in the cell block. I've read that a sense of justice is innate in human beings. We're born knowing when we've been wronged, and we quickly learn to say, no fair, in our earliest years. We may not yet understand the words when we stand at our little school desk pledging allegiance to a nation that may fail to show us any allegiance at all, or understand that justice, the lady with the scales, is peeking from under the blindfold, and that those scales are always tilted towards money. But they are. I've lived my America for 52 years. I've learned that politically and culturally, we need enemies. Enemies within, and enemies without. In that way, we're a nation of haters. No more true is that than today. We're at war with ourselves. My America has mastered the dialogue of war and raised the art of fear-mongering to an apex level. But it's no mere rhetoric. It's the villainization and imprisonment of a nation of people. It's a war on disadvantaged communities, its own citizens, for an issue, drugs, that is an unchanging reality of American culture. Ask the street. Hasn't much changed in drug activity. We call it hypocrisy, not justice. Justice for what? Justice for whom? To pay for this justice, among other things, we divert money from schools. We rank ugly in world education rates. We fail to educate and then incarcerate. We demonize masses of people, often entire communities, for doing what we may have once done ourselves. The war on people, this war of us against us, or the war on drugs, is a great cancer, doing more damage than the drugs themselves. Millions of Americans never become better people. Unlike the former leaders of the free world who disclose their drug use and do just fine, most of us aren't afforded that opportunity. We become fodder for the dreaded and farcic American criminal justice system, forever marred, estranged from our birthright, exiled from our futures, scapegoated into a cruel oblivion. We become witnesses to the dark heart of the beautiful illusion, what was once called the American dream. I've done my time. More time on average than most murderers and child molesters. More time than ten thieves combined. For drugs, I was buried alive under a mountain of concrete for 20 straight years of my 26. In prison. I'm afforded two 15-minute calls a month to say I'm still alive. Sort of. And all for a drug case in which no drugs were ever found. I've got to figure out how to live in a world that has left me behind in a relationship of fatal attraction with a lady called Justice. That was a short piece written by Chris Trigg, who's currently on the tail end of a 25-year sentence for drugs, even though no drugs were ever found in this case. You can write Chris at the federal prison system using the ID number and address linked in this episode description. Thanks to Chris for the great work. I can't tell you how much prison saps your creativity. To be able to turn out work like this, in an environment like that, well, kudos to him. Love yourselves and the addicted people in your life, and take some time this week to write the incarcerated people in your life. Trust me, we appreciate it. I'm Ben Boyce.